Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. Ah, it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. It's me, Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hey, buddy. Today's Scared to Death is brought to you by the Graveyard Tales podcast. Yeah, we wanted to tell you guys about this great podcast called Graveyard Tales Podcast, hosted by Adam and Matt Seriously, two of the nicest humans. And the, and they talk about the history behind haunted places, ghost encounters, uh, cryptid encounters. Yeah. And they took a look at odd phenomenon like spontaneous human combustion and other out-of-body experiences. And they even take deep dives into like psychic abilities, remote viewing, alien abductions, and they've even looked at the Salem Witch Trials. Awesome. I love the Salem Witch Trials. I've talked about that before myself. Uh, they approach a, they approach all the episodes with a, a great blend of exclusive, uh, extensive, excuse me, not exclusive research. That would be odd. That would be cool. That would be very cool if they had the, the rights to the research and no one else did. Uh, extensive research and lightheartedness. And they research uh, episodes like Missing 411, Reincarnation, and another popular one, the Travis Walton Abduction. Very cool. So you can connect with Adam and Matt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or you can go to graveyardpodcast.com and find them there and be sure to listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Yay. So that's a, so a good new uh, podcast for you to check out and some cool new merch for you to check out. Cool. The uh, Moth Crewneck Sweatshirt in the shop at badmagicmerch.com for all of you living in climates like we are, mm-hmm. where the time of year for shorts and tees every day is, uh, is about over. It's about done. Morning's getting a little bit crisp. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and very exciting. The uh, One more announcement before we get into our content. Yeah, sorry about the heavy and announcements, but this is about this Patreon. Is so uh, The Scared to Death Patreon launches next week. So very excited uh, when the following episode comes out just before midnight on October 6th, maybe a bit before, but at least by the time the episode drops. Ad-free episodes, merch discount, uh, This Looks Awesome, monthly horror movie review and movie club, bonus content, and more all coming soon. And we're going to be donating 20% of all Patreon proceeds to various monthly charities. Which I'm, I mean, I'm excited about all of it, but the charitable donations just like make me a little teary eyed. So for those of you who have been following Time Suck and are already on that Patreon, you know that we donate a portion of those proceeds. So our entire company, Bad Magic Productions, will be donating a percentage of the Patreon money as a company as a whole. Mm -hmm. 
Very excited to do that. That's uh, so cool. Like, I, I was never able to donate money to things because it's just either. like I don't have enough to go around. But when we all come together, we get to do this really amazing thing and make a beautiful impact. It is exciting. And for Time Suck fans, the Patreon content will initially only be available via Patreon. Uh, there are plans eventually to convert the Time Suck app into a bad magic app where you can listen to Scare to Death and Time Suck and Is We Dumb all in the same place. Uh, right now, we have other Time Suck related content that we need to finish building before we can convert it and get it ready for Scare to Death. And for tech reasons, I'm not going to dive into uh, it drive people crazy and just bore them to tears. Mostly me. We can't offer content we want to offer for both Scaredith and Time Suck inside of the same Patreon account, so they have to be different. And I was playing around with it, and the Patreon app is actually a really good app that has a really good podcast player built into it. Yeah. Easy to scroll through a content creator's posts. You can find everything you want. Uh, it has variable speeds, you know, jumping ahead, jumping back, all that good stuff. You can even download episodes to listen to offline later. That's great. Very excited to uh, be working with Patreon again. And it links out to videos and everything else very smoothly. And excited for our October 6th, again, Patreon launch. So stay tuned. And can now, what, go ahead. can you believe it? I know it's almost here. I know I'm I a know. little, I, I've been feeling a little panicky lately I know, a little, like, to get the stuff ready for it. I know it's going to be great. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that our fans are so great. And like, I think that everyone understands that we're just humans trying yeah. to figure this out. So we do the very best we can. We're yeah. so dedicated. And I mean, sometimes I'm, I know, but you're a nut. I'm eager for the movie club. Logan's put a lot of work into it. It's so cool. And it looks very cool. Joe's been working hard with Logan on it. And I I'm now working on it. And yeah, I'm hoping people like it. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Previews today. Sorry I, about that. That was a lot. <laughs> uh, two stories per usual today from me. How many for you, Lindsay? Two. Okay, two and two. Uh, my first story is a shorter one involving one woman claiming to have had not one, but two different encounters with some black-eyed kids. Uh, kind of. Bla <laughs> black-eyed human-ish creatures. I don't even know what that means. Might be a better description. You'll find out. Okay, great. And the next story is really a collection of numerous tales uh, of all different kinds of entities being spotted around what seems to be the pretty haunted town of Amherstburg, Canada. Uh, hmm. Virtually no setup on this first one. Can I show off my, shock, my you, socks? You, you, you can show off your socks. You guys, check these ones out. Knee-high crystal socks. Not fuzzy, but so, so cute. <laughs> Sweet crystal socks. Sweet. Okay, so the following is a rare account of one woman claiming to have been visited by black-eyed kids, entities, more than once. Time now for a tale of some of New Hampshire's black-eyed creatures. Michelle said that her first incident occurred in 1996 while she was living in Guilford, New Hampshire, a little lake town of around 7,000 people, just under an hour's drive north of Manchester. Michelle and her 16-year-old son were shopping at a hardware store in town when they both saw a toddler... A very strange toddler. And the following is what Michelle recalled of this encounter. It was real late in the afternoon, around the time the store was closing, not long after the sun had set. I remember there was a fog that night, and if it wasn't a full moon, it was pretty close. Admittedly, it was a bit spooky just to begin with that night. In the checkout line in front of us, there was a shopping cart with the toddler sitting in it. His mom was talking to the cashier and unloading the cart on the counter. And before he even turned around, something about this kid felt off. I love kids, especially little ones, and they certainly don't scare me, but this kid did. I've always been open and sensitive to the paranormal, and the feeling I had when I saw this child reminded me of walking through a dark house and suddenly hitting a cold spot. Mm -hmm. Or the feeling I've had when I've just seen a shadow move in a way it shouldn't out of the corner of my eye. I felt spooked. Then this little toddler leaned back and around and looked at me, and its eyes 
were jet black. No whites, no irises, nothing but darkness. I couldn't help but to let out a little audible gasp, and then my son, hearing this, looked at me before quickly turning to see what what had shocked me. And I heard him have an audible reaction as well. Neither one of us said a word to the other at first. We just stood there, staring and frozen. After the mom paid and pushed the cart and kid out, the cashier looked at us funny. I'm sure we seemed like we'd somehow never paid for anything in a store before. (laughs) And then she motioned for us to come over to the counter. I whispered to my son, what the hell was that? And he whispered back, did you see his eyes? That scared me. Maybe more than anything. When he'd said that, I knew that what I'd seen was real. We checked out. I could tell the cashier thought I was insane. And we kept talking about it as we walked out. We were both scared we'd see it again in the parking lot. We didn't. We never saw them again. Michelle and her son were both on edge for days, if not weeks, following this incident. The encounter unsurprisingly stuck with Michelle, and she thought back to it often over the coming years. And then she'd end up wondering if it was somehow related to her next black-eyed creature sighting. Rare for someone to encounter a black-eyed child who appears to be less than 10 years old or more than 14 or 15. Far more rare for someone to claim to encounter seeing a black-eyed child more than once. Second time it happened, Michelle was working at a health food store after moving to Concord about 30 miles away. She says this happened sometime in the fall of 2008. She reports, I was there early to open the store and I was the only one near the front entrance when two older women, the first customers of the day, walked in and then passed me headed to the back of the store to shop. After saying hello to them and watching them walk past, I turned back around towards the front and saw an older man standing on the other side of the glass door. This by itself would have been enough to creep me out a little because he was just standing there, not coming in, arms hanging down at his sides, facing and really blocking the entrance. And he was staring straight at me. And just like the toddler, he had those same solid, soulless black eyes. He never did come in. If I hadn't seen his eyes, I would have tried to tell myself he was just the husband of one of the women who'd walked in before him. But with those eyes... I knew he wasn't. I knew he wasn't a man at all. I don't know what he was, but I'm convinced that what I saw that day was not human. I felt that same bad energy coming from him, and just like years before, I got really scared. I don't know how long he stood there. I continued to stare at him, to look right into his dark eyes, totally transfixed, and then I heard one of the women who'd come in say, Excuse me, ma'am? I turned around towards her and her friend who were ready to check out. And before heading to the register, I looked back around towards the door... And he was gone. I thought about running to the door to pop out and look to see where he was heading, but decided, what was the point in that? What would I have done if I would have seen him? Follow him? No. Chase him down and demand answers? Absolutely not. I've only seen his black eyes since in my dreams. I've had nightmares ever since that day. I live alone now, and I'm afraid I'll see one of those black-eyed entities again. And I'm afraid that next time, if it happens, it'll happen when I'm at home, and that unlike the man at the hardware store... It'll come inside, and I try not to think of what might happen next. Black-eyed children, creature, people, whatever. Right, yeah. So creepy. Yeah, unusual in this one that one was way young and one was pretty old. I don't know. I've never heard of someone seeing an older one. Yeah, me me either. Not that I can remember. Or or like a toddler. So I just thought it was an unusual uh, supposed encounter. Yeah, normally they're like... Like, like, you like know, preteens, eight, nine, tweens. 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Uh, now this, uh, I, I couldn't find, I mean, really like, it's kind of like the same black eyed kids pictures that are on the web. Mm-hmm. There's like eight of them. 
Okay. So rather than pick one of the, I was just looking for something new. They're never really attached to these tales sure. that are like posted on kind of some board or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I did just, I came across this art that I think was made by Colin Raff. It wasn't credited where I found it. Okay. But it looks like other things he's done. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Just want to say that. Uh, very just creepy. Like what? Ugh. But also and funny. And so cool. And it's They're, also really funny. Yeah, these these interesting gifts. And so that's one of the dude with his head popping off, his face coming off, and then like a fly crawling out of his head. Yeah. And then I and then I just found one more that I just thought was super cool. Uh yeah, that is same, I believe, done by the same artist. So, oh, so, that so baby disturbing. is so creepy. Right. Why? Uh, yeah, I, I, there was like, I found probably 30 of these. It's weird because I really can't look away, but also I want to look away. I know. I, I wish the, I could have like a- Is the mouth or the eyes that are doing me in? I would want like a cool framed screen of one of these. Like if I could just have it, I'd want the artwork to move like this. Like in some little like video screen framed. Oh, sure. Sure, I'll get you one for your birthday. <laughs> you can put it someplace that I never have to see it. I love it. So that's all. I, I mean, I love it because it's yeah. beautiful art, but I don't want to look at it on the regular. You don't have it in the house. No, it could maybe be here. Uh, last night, speaking yeah. of like seeing things, like Michelle was talking about living alone. Yeah, I could not sleep last night. Every time I closed my eyes, I saw something horrific. It was so weird. It's like I'd close my eyes and I'd see like some like creepy masked creature coming for me. And then I'd wake up and I'd be like, I mean, I wasn't even asleep. I would just open my eyes and be like, well, that's weird. And I'd close my eyes and I'd see something else and I'd open it. I mean, that went on for a solid 45 minutes. I don't know if it's because you were reading the news to me before I fell asleep and 2020 is a dumpster fire. Or uh, <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't know. But also on the Black Eyed Children front, I got the sweetest little email this week. That someone was like, not a scary story, I promise. Um, but then it said something about black-eyed children. I was like, I swear, if you tricked me into opening this. But it was so cute. They sent a picture of the baby. The baby ah. has really dark brown uh-huh. eyes. Oh, cute. Phew. So that's what I was trying to think of while you were telling actually, that story. Because I was like, oh, no, thank you. I tried to look and see if there was some kind of medical condition, like rare medical condition, oh, yeah. where your eyes are just like essentially all black. Yeah. I don't think there is. There, Dang There it. is like medical conditions where you can have like a discolored, what, a sclera. Uh, sclera, I believe okay. is how you say it, or, sure. or sclera, um, or the yeah, just like the whites around your eyes that can be discolored. Yeah, um, you know, people can have like you can have like a little bit bigger pupil, but there's nothing other than getting it tattooed essentially, <laughs> or or wearing the contacts that um, turn it turn everything dark. Yeah, there's no like natural condition that I am aware of. Didn't we see that makes some, all of your eyes black? Didn't we see a guy in Wallace? Wallace, Idaho, yes, that had one either tattooed or he, he might have just been wearing a contact. I don't know, but it was so creepy. It's pretty to see unnerving. That. It's pretty unnerving when, especially yeah. with just one, when one eye is all black, like jet, like obsidian. Jet black. And it's so yeah. hard not to stare and you feel so rude, but I'm like. Right. But, but if you're wearing that contact or you have that tattoo, that comes with the territory. Yeah. I don't oh, think I, yeah. if if you get that and don't expect people to stare a little bit extra, you're a fool, truly. Agreed. <laughs> like that that'd be that, that's the weirdest thing. I would have no sympathy for that person. How dare you look at my all black contact that I put in this morning to look this way I intentionally. Know. No, I, I understand that, but I also just feel rude staring at people. Oh sure. No, no, I I so I, uncomfortable. Right. Same thing. I was also trying to like side like, glance. Like what's he up to? What's that guy doing? And I, you know, it didn't, but it's like so hard not to be like, hey, what's, what's going on there? Yeah. Do like, you want to, can you tell me about that? Can you, what's the history there? Uh, <laughs> can you j- imagine? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. It doesn't hey, like spook me. Do you have a condition? Because I have people sometimes, I mean, tattoos are so common now. Right. But sometimes people ask me about them and like some people get weird about that and they get like almost like offended. I don't care. 
you're well, like, you hey, put it is- on your body. Right, exactly. I put it out there in the open, so I'm not like surprised or shocked when someone has a question. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you for that PSA. <laughs> Let's move now from shadow people sighting to a small Canadian city, if you're ready, just outside of Detroit that's supposedly very haunted. Okay. Let's do it. Take me there. We head to Amherstburg, Ontario. But first, a quick in-between story sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze. But one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. 
Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And now, creeps and peepers, we head to Canada. Not much setup on this one. Lots of supposed sightings to go over. This is a bigger one. Uh, the Canadian town of Amherstburg, Ontario, lies just a half hour south of Windsor and just across the Detroit River from Grosseal, Michigan, part of Detroit's metro area. American Indians have lived in the area for many centuries. Europeans first made it to the land that surrounds Amherstburg when it was settled by French colonists in the early 18th century. Then in 1795, the British built a fort there, Fort Malden, where our main haunted tale will take place. Okay. But much more than Fort Malden, believed to be haunted by many who live in the area of Amherstburg. The whole area full of paranormal sightings. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of Amherstburg. Numerous locals have claimed to have witnessed a female apparition near Creek Road, a street that ends at Big, uh, Big Creek near Knapps Island just south of town. One anonymous man says that late one night when a thick fog lifted, he and several friends all saw what appeared to be a woman dressed in a pioneer-era dress walking across the water from the island to the road. She moved at an unnatural speed and carried a lantern. And years later, this man claimed he saw this spirit make this strange walk again, and this time, when his wife was with him, uh, they both witnessed the ghostly woman. And these sightings, just two of many, others have claimed to experience. A more popular place for ghost sightings is Texas Road. Several motorists have claimed to see the mysterious figure of either a man or a woman wrapped in what appears to be a burial shroud, walking alongside the road, a figure that vanishes into thin air when the cars get close. Others claim to have seen apparitions they believe to be the souls of former employees of the old train company who worked on rail lines last century, haunting the area where they likely died, moving about in the woods at night. Mm-hmm. Still others swear they've seen a headless horseman roaming the wooded area area near a private cemetery that lies near the road. Mm-mm. All kinds of claims. Stories go back to colonial periods when the road was first built, says Rob Tymek, founder of the Amherstburg Ghost Walks. From shadowy figures on the side of the road to mysterious lights that appear in the forest. Then there is Park House, reportedly even more haunted. The Park House Museum is 223 years old, full of all kinds of ghost stories. Park House sits on uh, Dalhousie Street with the Detroit River behind it. Originally built at another location in the 1770s, it was dismantled and floated down the Detroit River to Amherstburg in the summer of 1798. Wow. And its parlor, currently set up to resemble what a funeral would have looked like 200 years ago, oh. one of many haunted rooms in the former home and the location of the first sighting of who visitors now call Mr. Park. Mr. Park is thought to be one of the Park brothers who purchased the home in 1839. The Park brothers Thomas, Theodore, and John ran a general store out of the home before handing it down to the next Park generation when it was then used as a medical office in the days before emergency rooms and modern hospitals when many patients would die in a medical office. A staff member and a visitor were reportedly in the parlor one day many years ago when the staff member saw a man with a jacket walk by, a man whom the visitor did not see but did hear walk behind them. The museum's current curator, Stephanie Pouget-Papak, says the staff member excused themselves, went to go help the person, and as they got around the corner, nobody was there. When the staff member turned back into the parlor, the visitor asked if the person they'd heard walk behind them needed help and went pale when they were told that apparently no one was there. <sighs> Just through the parlor is Mr. Park's office, another location where some have alleged to hear Mr. Park at work. 
Stephanie, the curator, says, We did have a staff member. They were in the parlor one night working. Out of the corner of their eye, they saw somebody get up out of the chair and walk across the doorway, and that experience really scared them. Oh, uh, yeah. Next to the office is the basement door where the current offices are. Stephanie says there have been many times when staff have been alone only to hear what clearly sounds like walking, singing, and sometimes humming. We heard the music box playing, glasses on the table clinking, says Stephanie, only to then look all over the house for the source of the sound and find nothing. The doors are locked and no one else is in the home. The original back door to the home is now the door that opens to a hallway in the kitchen. It was added in the 19th century. And Stephanie says this door will often open completely or close completely entirely on its own. And sometimes after closing, it will incredibly seem to lock itself. Stephanie says, we don't have the skeleton key for this one, but you'll come up here and it will be locked and you will have to wait until it, whatever it is, unlocks the door. That's insane. Through the hallway behind the doors, the kitchen where current staff now hold a cooking program based on recipes dating all the way back to 1750. And after one of these classes, a woman was returning to the kitchen to get her wedding ring when she heard a voice from the hallway distinctly say, get out. Stephanie says that since that encounter, she refuses to come back here alone. Yeah, don't blame her. Another time, Stephanie was training a new worker when they both heard some loud and aggressive knocking coming from near the front of the house. One of her co-workers went outside to check it out, only to find no one there. When this co-worker made it back into the kitchen, the knocking started up again. Stephanie said that she and her co-worker both spooked, decided to finish the training at a later time. <laughs> Even creepier occurrences have happened along the stairwell beside where the original back door once stood. People have reported being followed down the stairs by a shadowy figure the size of a child. Ugh. In late 2019, Stephanie said a mother and a little girl were taking a tour when they stopped by the bottom of the stairwell, and the little girl asked if she could go upstairs. She was told she couldn't because it was closed for exhibit construction, and then according to Stephanie, the little girl said she needed to go upstairs. She said there was a lady at the top of the stairs inviting her to come up. Stephanie said she moved the tour along without ever looking to see who or what was atop the stairs. At the top of the stairs is a door leading into a bedroom where one of the most famous Park House stories took place about 30 years ago. A woman came in to take a self-guided tour. Before she left, she thanked the curator at the time for the lovely staff, but the curator said she was the only person there. <sighs> Stephanie says the visitor insisted there was a woman in a bedroom wearing a black dress helping her at answering her questions. Oh my God. The curator then locked the front door to make sure no one else could come in. She and the visitor walked through the house room by room, confirming that no one else was there. Stephanie says the woman then realized that she had seen a ghost. She ran out of the building saying she would never come back to this haunted place again. Good GTFO. A woman who lived across the street from the park house gave a similar description of a woman this visitor claimed to see standing near the bedroom window. In the summer of 2018, Stephanie was upstairs training a handful of new people on how to give ghost tours when they heard footsteps on the staircase coming up and then someone walk up to the other side of the door. But we knew we'd be the only people in the building. Mm. Stephanie claims she said, Mr. Park, if you need help, ring the bell like everyone else. And then not 10 seconds later, the bell on the half door in the gift shop started ringing no. uncontrollably. No. And there's many other similar tales. Oh my gosh. A lot of paranormal activity seems to exist inside this house. But this is not the house that drew me to this area. The main story I want to tell today comes from another Amherstburg structure built in the late 18th century, Fort Malden. Fort Malden was built in 1795 by the British in order to ensure the security of British North America against any potential threat of American invasion. 
Chief Tecumseh of the Shawnee met with the British General Isaac, uh, Sir Isaac Brock to plan the siege of Detroit at this new fort, an early battle fought against the Americans in the War of 1812. Fort Malden was one of the most important stops during the mid-19th century for American slaves escaping slavery via the Underground Railroad. After 15, 1850, for the next several years, approximately 30 fugitive slaves a day were crossing over to Fort Malden by steamboat. Wow. It's now a Canadian National Historic Site, and the fort has been used for a variety of purposes over its long life. From 1851 to 1859, the fort's grounds were repurposed and used as an apartment complex of sorts for Canadian veterans and their families, part of what was known as the Pensioner Scheme. In 1859, Fort Malden's Pensioner Scheme was abandoned, and the fort was transformed again and extensively remodeled and turned into what was called the Malden Lunatic Asylum. Oh. The, uh, and the first medical superintendent of the new facility was one Dr. Andrew Fisher. I don't like where this is going. Dr. Fisher was just 25 when he became the asylum's head physician. And to help with the facility's remodeling, Dr. Fisher took 20 male patients from the Toronto Lunatic Asylum who were considered to be the most industrious and quiet. These patients helped build fences to contain additional patients when they arrived, amongst other structures and tasks. And supposedly, when these other patients did arrive, only two of the original 20 transfers were still in Malden. The other 18, according to local legend, vanished without a trace. Uh Uh-uh. Did Dr. Fisher do something to them? Did they die in the new asylum they just helped build? Dr. Fisher doesn't appear to have been the most scrupulous man. He was forced to resign in 1867 after being caught embezzling hospital funds and something he did many things far worse than just taking money. In 1875, after remodeling, after remaining abandoned for a few years and after perhaps functioning as an orphanage for a few more, Fort Malden was surveyed by the town of Amherstburg and sold at a public auction. Eleven lots created out of the former fort sold to a few prominent families in town. Luckily, the fort itself not destroyed, brought bought back by the government in 1935, then preserved as a historical site, now a museum. A lot of souls have lived on the grounds of Fort Malden. Many have died. And now it's so commonly believed that Fort Malden is haunted, it's often used as a Halloween haunted house full of all kinds of actors performing as zombie soldiers or various ghouls and ghosts. But none of this history would matter for Scared to Death if I wouldn't have found one especially creepy story that took place at the fort. Oh, great. I thought we were done. I picked Fort Mald mainly due to one man's alleged encounter. An older man writing his story under the first name of Jackson claims that roughly 60 years ago when he was a young child in grade school, he and a bunch of fellow Cub Scouts camped on the grounds of the old fort and even had a sleepover inside one of the main buildings that was once part of the asylum. Hell no. Jackson said that he and about 20 other Scouts, all around 8, 9 years old, and a handful of Scout leaders watching them, stayed the night sleeping on the floor of the, on the main level. Jackson doesn't recall ever hearing a nightmare, or excuse me, Jackson doesn't recall ever having a nightmare before the one he had the night he stayed in the fort. He said no one slept well that night. The house was filled with strange noises, all kinds of creaks and clunks, typical of an old house, and also plenty of disturbing sounds not typical of an old house, like the sound of running footsteps headed upstairs. He remembers them hearing this all together, and then it seemed to bother not just the scouts, but also the scout leaders. Oh, boy. The leaders kept doing head counts with a flashlight to make sure that the running wasn't coming from one of the scouts, only to realize over and over again that all of the scouts were accounted for. Finally, at some point well after midnight, Jackson fell asleep, only to slip into a vivid and terrible nightmare. Oh, no. He said that he dreamt that the house he was sleeping in was full of children who were all wandering around confused, angry, and crying. 
The children would run to the edges of the building and suddenly stop in doorways and pound their fists against the air as if some invisible wall were trapping them inside and they just couldn't get out. His fellow Cub Scouts were also in this dream. They were sleeping on the floor just all around him like in real life and walking around them all, sometimes stopping to watch the Scouts sleep, sometimes bending down and screaming at them were these other children. Jackson remembered feeling sorry for these kids and also of being afraid of them. What made them especially scary was that many of them had literally bleeding eyes, vicious dark bruises on the sides of their heads, and perhaps most disturbing, some of them had tongues that were black. It looked like they'd been tortured. It was a horrible dream that lingered long after Jackson woke, and making it much scarier, almost every kid he talked to the next day seemed to have had the exact same dream. Why? The next day, he slept all afternoon once he got home. That experience haunted him. He kept freaking himself out all over again when he and some other scouts would talk about how creepy it was, how they'd all had that same dream. But once removed from the grounds of the fort and being just a kid, the memory of the night in the fort and the dream that came with it quickly faded, and soon it was almost entirely forgotten. He didn't remain good friends with anyone he was in scouts with that year for long, thank God, and he went on to have a happy and normal childhood. And then roughly 30 years later, Jackson found himself back in the Cub Scouts, now as a volunteer leader. His oldest son was now a cub, and just like when he was a boy, the Scouts still did a lot of sleepovers. And soon, they were sleeping over at Fort Malden. When Jackson found out, he immediately got the chills. He hadn't thought about his own sleepover in years. He'd almost completely forgotten about the nightmare. Not wanting to scare his son, he told uh, no one and reminded himself that while they did for sure hear some strange sounds that night, the worst part of the experience was only a dream, just a nightmare. The minute Jackson walked into the building, the fear he'd felt that night so many years ago came rushing back to him. It felt like he was a scared little kid all over again. The building they were going to be sleeping in looked like it hadn't changed a bit over the years. It felt identical to how he remembered it. He remembered it looking as a kid. Adding to his anxiety, he knew now what he hadn't known the first time he'd stayed in the building, that it was once part of the asylum. The group he brought with him had four volunteers, including himself and 12 kids, and just like last time, they all slept on the main floor. And just like last time, of course, the kids could not fall asleep. They heard the noises he'd heard before, the sound of running footsteps headed upstairs, all sorts of strange creaks and groans, and again, they got scared. They were more scared than he and his uh, friends had been when they'd stayed because someone had told them that the building, again, used to be part of the asylum. You know, there was rumored to be haunted. Just like before, one of the leaders, spooked by the sounds of the running, insisted they do a head count. Just like last time, all the kids in their sleeping bags, all accounted for. Ay ay ay. To help the kids calm down, Jackson and another volunteer agreed to take their flashlights and inspect the entire building while the other two leaders stayed with the kids. Excuse you? Jackson and the other volunteers split up. Uh, they went upstairs. With every turn Jackson took, he worried that he'd see the ghost of a terrified child. The second floor he searched had several small rooms with a bit of dim moonlight flooding into each of them. The rooms were empty with the exception of a few items in each, such as a single chair or a table. The floors covered in a thin layer of dust. Someone was maintaining the grounds, just not maybe cleaning the buildings that often. Then as he shone his flashlight around, Jackson came across what were clearly numerous sets of tracks. Yeah. The footprints of children. Once he noticed one set, he quickly noticed several more. And then soon he realized they were everywhere. His heart started to beat a lot faster in his chest. He felt himself beginning to panic when he realized, of course, there would be children's footprints. The scouts had been up there earlier that day. (sighs) He audibly sighed, quietly let out a little laugh. And then he now again heard the footsteps 
they'd all heard earlier. The other, other volunteer also heard them and yelled out, That you, Jackson? Nope, he yelled back as he swung his flashlight around. Afraid not. The sound of the footsteps were growing louder. It sounded like someone was running towards him. He could hear the other volunteer steadily walking towards him as well, and later he wished he would have walked a lot faster so he could have seen what Jackson then saw. More footprints in the dust, but this time he was watching them as they were being made. He jumped back towards the wall as something ran into the room with him. He would have yelled out, but he was scared silent. As he saw the footsteps pass him on the floor, the air around him quickly grew much colder before then warming up again once whatever was now in the room with him was several feet away. He watched whatever was running seemed to slow down, then turn back towards him, then stop. Immediately, he flashed on one of the kids he'd seen in his nightmares years earlier, the bleeding eyes, the bruised temples, the black tongue. Jackson! He about jumped out of his skin when the other volunteer yelled his name. Did you see something? No, he lied. Nothing. Uh, just the sounds of an old house, I guess. Why did he lie? Because he didn't want to scare all those kids, including his own. If they didn't see anything like he just did, they'd be able to laugh it off. If he told them the truth, hello, recurring nightmares. Jackson glanced at the footprints, the most recent set of tracks. They hadn't moved since the other volunteer made it into the room. The two of them agreed to head back downstairs, and Jackson listened carefully for the sounds of someone walking up behind them. When they turned to go down the stairway, he turned briefly and shone his flashlight back down the hall towards the room he'd just been in. Nothing odd. Dang. Just stay upstairs, he thought to himself. Whatever you are, just please stay upstairs. When he and the other leader made it back downstairs, they told the kids another, and the other pair of scout leaders that they hadn't seen anything. That the sounds were just the sounds of an old house. Jackson, of course, didn't believe this. Uh, he also got the feeling that the other leader didn't as well. Needless to say, it was a long night, and Jackson and several of the scouts did not fall asleep until early in the morning. And when Jackson did fall asleep, he slipped back into the same dream he'd had many years before. Wandering children with bleeding eyes, black tongues, trapped, tortured, angry children, desperate to leave the building. When he awoke the next morning, he couldn't wait to leave. He would never be setting foot in this building again, and neither would his kids. Breakfast was served that morning outside on a picnic table. Felt good to be out of the asylum and the sun. The conversation around the table revolved around, of course, the creepy noises they'd all heard the night before. Some kids were sure they'd heard ghosts running around. Others were not so sure. At least they were trying to convince themselves that they just heard the sounds of an old building. Jackson was only half paying attention to what the kids were saying until one of them brought up having a bad dream. Then the skin on Jackson's arms filled up with goosebumps when that kid said that his dream was full of strange kids with dark tongues and bloody eyes. Oh, shit. Then another kid said, me too. And then another and another. Not every kid seemed to have had the dream, or at least not every kid admitted to remembering it. All in all, at least five or six kids did seem to have had that dream. And Jackson could tell by the snappy way one of the other scout leaders told the kids to quiet down with all the nightmare talk for you get everybody riled up again. They'd had the dream as well. Mm-hmm. After breakfast, as Jackson waited for various parents to pick up their kids and take them home, a groundskeeper walked by and asked how everyone made it through the night. When he told them they made it just fine, the old man said, You're all braver than I am. I'd never set foot in that building after dark. Huh. When Jackson, of course, asked him why, he said, Too many bad spirits. I hear them running around sometimes and I'm here late in the afternoon. When Jackson asked him if he really thought the place was haunted, he said, Without hesitation, yes. And then the groundskeeper told him why he thought it might be haunted. He said that his great aunt had been committed to the asylum many years earlier as a child. And he said that when she came out, she was never the same. He said that his grandpa, the girl's brother, said she was like a zombie. 
that she often cried when she was asked about the asylum. The groundskeeper told Jackson the asylum was one of the first in Canada to experiment with shock therapy and lobotomies. Oh no! He said the whole asylum was shut down after only about a decade because so many people in town were upset and outraged over the treatment of troubled kids staying there, several of whom died there, and the doctor was chased out of town. And then the asylum was converted into an orphanage and soon after surrendered to the community. The groundskeeper proceeded to tell him a bit more about the history of the fort, but Jackson wasn't paying attention anymore. His dream made sense now. The bleeding eyes that used to perform lobotomies by punching steel spikes into the brain through the eye sockets. The bruises on the temples, the black tongues, injuries from terrible experiments with shock therapy. They must be. When Jackson and his son drove home, he felt more sad than scared. Are the kids who were tortured who died in that old hospital, are they somehow still trapped there? Or are the sounds just echoes from the past, children running from nurses and the doctor? Johnson, uh, Jackson excuse me, flashed on seeing the footprints form before his eyes and the drop in temperature that came with them. Now he thought not echoes. Some of those kids were still there. He wanted to figure out how to help set them free, but he knew that might require returning to the old fort, so he told himself someone else would surely someday figure it all out, and he hoped that his nightmare would never return, and that he could just put the whole thing out of his mind someday forever. (laughs) Also, I think there's something in here. Yeah, you were kind of twitchy during that one. I know. I kept like... um... I felt like there was something behind me. You know, you just like feel someone behind you. I felt like someone was behind me. And then my blanket got a little tug, which I did not care for. I thought maybe it was like caught on me somehow. Like, can you imagine after that footsteps part, if you just saw a little handprint form on the table? uh, A friend of mine works at a bar in town and they were cleaning like at night. It was just her. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. one other person who was like, they could see each other. Right. And this is here in Coeur d'Alene. Uh-huh. Wiped down the bar and then footsteps footsteps showed up on top of the bar as they're standing there uh-huh just like oh my god that's super creepy it's so creepy uh so here's some pictures of this area okay uh a few of a few of them because we had talked about a variety of things that's uh that's the park house museum so that's the place where okay. the lady in black and uh that set of stories okay this is the window this next picture that a former neighbor said to have seen the woman in the black I dress i thought i saw something up there mm-hmm so that's that uh amherst again the park house museum uh, this is the bedroom, this next picture, where that woman claimed to have talked to the uh, woman in the black dress. Oh, those old baby um, cradles freak me out because they usually have mm-hmm. like... Like a little doll. Oh, yeah, old doll, sometimes with, like wooden body parts mm-hmm. or like the cloth with then like the porcelain hands. They're all sort of Yep, like, yep. Blah. Blah. <sighs> uh, this next picture, just a, a creature wrapped in a burial shroud, humanish. I, I just came what? across it when I was looking for the Texas roads. Isn't that creepy? No, th- I can't look at that again. I feel like that's what I was, that's the kind of shit I was seeing in my mind last night. You're going to see that in your nightmares? I can't look again, honestly. Ugh, okay. It's well. too much. Okay, this next one is a picture of Fort Malden. So there's not like any, um, it's just a, you know, An old cool fort. old fort. Mm-hmm. Nothing, yeah. nothing else with that one. This next one is, is a gift that has absolutely nothing with Fort Malden. <laughs> okay. But I came across it and I just randomly wanted to see how you would react to seeing a giant creepy spider falling from the ceiling onto this guy. How oh, sorry, terrible just would this be? Kick the... Oh, man. I wish I would have picked a different one where it held a little bit longer. Where you see it at the beginning, it's enormous. That's like a tarantula. Mm-hmm. And he goes to catch it in the bucket, and it falls off the side and lands on him, and he freaks out. Well, yeah, I would lose my mind. I was thinking about how, like, you don't... I mean, I don't love them, but you, you really don't care for, like, bigger bugs in the house. No. And I'm like, it would be so... On the one hand, sad to see that happen to you, but also one of the maybe the funniest things I would ever see in my life. Listen, if mm-hmm. there's ever a spider that size anywhere where we're living or staying, right. 
and you find it first, uh-huh. get the camera ready, and <laughs> then have me come. Because you'll be so sad if you miss the moment to catch me freak out. That is true. So I just want to put that out there. Thank you. You're, you know, Dan, I'm very thoughtful. That was a nice green light. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll regret it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know that we'll be living anywhere where there's spiders that big. I don't know. That just looked like a regular old house. Well, it's a regular old house, but we don't know where it is. I mean, I don't think Coeur d'Alene has... Well, I guess a tarantula could get loose. I don't even know that was a tarantula. That was enormous. It was a giant spider. Also, it could not be real. I think... No, it's real. There's there's huge spiders out there. But I'm saying that video could not be real. Like, why was anybody taking a video of that in the first place? In case things went wrong? Okay. I I buy it. Maybe. Maybe, baby. (laughs) So I just want to close this book. Um, Well, that story... I was doing pretty good. Like, oh, uh-huh. I actually, like the park house, I was like, oh, that's creepy. But yeah. okay. And then Jackson, I was okay until he went up there. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know if you saw it happen, but when you were talking about the other scout leader scream his name and he went, Jackson. I like, Oh, yeah. I saw, I, I could, out of the corner of my eye, I see you jump. He jumped me. <laughs> that was not kind of you. Can I get a little jump scare here and there yeah, for yeah, a horror yeah. podcast? Uh, yes, this is true. Um, that's really. <laughs> It's so scary, but then in the it's, end, it's, sad it's so too. sad. It's also very sad. Yeah. yeah. Womp, womp. And, and really, if you think about like the origins of a fair amount of like, you know, uh, ghost sightings yeah. are, are pretty tragic. Well, and little kids are just so creepy. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also well, that. And then awesome. not even and then not even talking about ghosts. There's little kids and they're creepy. <laughs> well, speaking actually, of creepy things. Actually, there are creepy little kids out there. Uh, <laughs> but no, like that through line of like the first, the little kid at the, uh, the grocery store. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. It's kid make, heavy. Yeah, well, I'm about to tell a kid story too, which is it's also a, it's creepy. The theme of the day. Yeah, but um, yeah, the when Jackson went upstairs and he saw the footprints happen, yeah, and then felt the cold. I uh, mean, yeah. and then to just see it, it's just <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would freak somebody out. I wouldn't lie and see say little... no. Like, how brave are you to say you didn't see anything? Mm, you just freak all the kids out and leave. Them I don't their care. Nightmares. Oh no, I would be like, that's it. We're all fucking out of here. That would be the biggest GTFO ever in the history of GTFOs. <laughs> I would like leave all your sleeping bags, tell your parents I'll find a way to pay them back another time. Like, let's go. I'll come back in the daylight and get this stuff. Like, we are out. None of those parents are sending their kids with Counselor Lindsay after that. You're the a, lunatic. A, oh, yeah. You're an absolute nut job. Kind of. But like, it seems as though it's local folklore, local legend. So I don't think anyone would actually be that surprised. They wouldn't. They they might think you might have seen something, but they they would not. Uh, I don't think appreciate you shutting down the entire sleepover. I would be thrilled if someone called me and was like, "Hey, <laughs> come get Kyler and Monroe." There was a, a sighting, and I'm uh-huh. like, "Yeah, I don't want some. I don't want my kid to see that. I want them out." No, <laughs> poor babies. Are you ready to get spooped? I, I am. Okay, you got. Are you gonna have Layla? Uh, like, I like Layla. Are you gonna I go like the, old school? I like the way Layla smells. <laughs> well. That is saying something. All right. Uh, okay. So, going on the kid thing, yeah. I had noted how much like the kid stuff kind of freaks you out. This this story is a little bit briefer than other stories that we've told before, but I was so proud of this mama and how she handled this entire situation. But okay. it is so creepy. She says, "Hey, Lindsay and Dan, I'm just going to jump right into this shit right here. <laughs> Love it." <laughs> But a bit of background on me, I am Hispanic and grew up around a family that was and still is incredibly superstitious, and each of a handful of experiences themselves are making it safe to say I grew up a believer. Now that we have that out of the way, here is just one of stories of recent times. I'm 24, and I have 
a currently three-year-old daughter. We live in a small town in Kansas. Shout out to Goodland. Okay. And moved into an apartment in January. In one, in, uh, in one of the oldest buildings in town. Within the first week of staying here, I noticed little noises here and there. Footsteps, cabinets closing, shuffling. Nothing too drastic to me personally. So I just brushed it off. Meanwhile, I would be out. <laughs> one night, I was sleeping very soundly and heard a voice in my ear clear as can be whisper she's awake and immediately jumped out of bed to check on my daughter only to find her in the fridge trying to grab a gallon of milk from the fridge half asleep <laughs> i checked the time and it was approximately 2 30 a.m i once again brushed it off thinking maybe it was just one of those mommy senses kicking in fast forward a few weeks of living here and i occasionally catch my daughter talking to herself but nothing concerning just the usual kid stuff We've been here for over a month now, and the sense of having an extra party to our little duo is now overwhelmingly starting to feel like a trio. A slow escalation of events at this point, more whispers, doors are now opening, and if they're not being fully opened, the doorknobs are rattling as if someone is trying to open them the rest of the way. My daughter has spoken about her new friend and a monster and refuses to be near our guest bedroom that used to be a storage room. I will say that I, too, do not enjoy having to enter that storage room and do so as little as possible. After speaking with a neighbor, he confirms that the previous tenants had very similar experiences, uh. but nothing too drastic. Now, having a second source of validation, I start to sage regularly and even invested in some crystals. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> what up, Lindsay? <laughs> and do start to feel a little bit more comforted by our unseen guest. In March, my daughter is going off on vacation with her father to California, which means I will be alone in the house for two weeks. Honestly, I was looking forward to a little alone time, kid-free. <laughs> the day comes for her to leave and her father is picking her up. And while he is loading her things into the car and I'm saying goodbye and in a very serious tone while hugging me, my daughter puts her teeny tiny hands on either side of my face and says, don't wake up the sleeping man, mommy. Uh, that little shit left me with that. And there went any excitement I had about being alone. I'll tell you that fucking much. <laughs> All hell while she's gone breaks loose for me. The once quiet shuffling turns into what can only be said to sound like my furniture being rearranged at night. I swear someone just paces back and forth in my bedroom as I lie there acting like I don't hear it. The worst was feeling someone or something crawl into bed and lie down next to me. I was paralyzed with fear and stayed awake until the sun came up. My daughter returns and everything goes back to subtle occurrences. And then I realized that it may be attaching to her and was upset that she was away and was only left with me. My tipping point was getting her ready for bed and thinking she was talking to me and asking her what she said. You know, a normal case of, I couldn't understand her, but she yells back, I wasn't talking to you, mom. The man wants you to leave. I think the fuck not, sir. Nope, not happening. I will throw down with any supernatural entity over my baby. I very quickly found a new place to live and we deuced the hell out of that place a week ago and have moved into our new house and feel so much lighter. Wow. I'm sorry if this seems very anticlimactic. I've been wanting to write it in since my friend turned me onto your podcast. If you could give him a little shout out, Jay Coop. 
Okay. <laughs> and tell that moron not to use the Ouija board he bought. Oh do it, Jacob. Use it. No, Jacob. No. Sit in a pentagram. Do it by yourself. Oh, geez, Louise. Stay safe, pals. Alicia. Alicia's funny. Alicia is hilarious. I think we're best friends. <laughs> right? Do you, can you see like me, Alicia, and Kate all hanging out? Oh, God. Yes. Yes. See? Yeah, you guys would, you guys would be lit. God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Is that a term that works for that? Sure. No. It's fine, sweetie. You guys be. You're so cute. You guys be pumped. You guys be. I don't know, sweetie. Amped up. You guys be. We just be hanging out. We're just friends. Oh. <laughs> I, I think I. I think I overreached. <laughs> my lingo. Oh, it would be dope. Okay. Okay. I can, I can say that's a word. That's a word from my era. Is it? It is. Okay. Not that old. I don't know how. How old are you? <laughs> I don't know how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> um. How how creepy is that? Can you imagine? I was thinking for okay for us. I was thinking about yeah. all the times that like you know our kids get transferred back and forth. If as we were like giving the kids to Heather and Eric, oh, yeah. if Monroe put her like little cold <laughs> kitty hands, yeah yeah yeah, Lindsay, don't wake up the sleeping man. No thanks. I would be like, girl, you are grounded. Yeah, that would be that would be terrifying. It would be awful. But she GTFO'd like fast. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, did to her not credit. Wait. No, no, good for them. They're able to get the hell out of there. <sighs> Still feeling something in this room, just FYI. I just like, do you want a crystal? I no. I think there's some I think I think my theory is that uh, all these little creepies are attached to your crystals, which is why you feel is, which is why you feel them much more than I. Well, if you held I have to, zero crystals. That's and what I don't, you, and I'm not attached to them. That's what you think. I don't have things attached to me or whatever. Do you, um you have crystals. You hide crystals around my shit. I sure do. Uh, that doesn't mean I have them. I've hidden some crystals in a location in this studio where you spend a lot of time. Is it up my butt? <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time up there. I'm, I'm around that area. <laughs> right after I said that, I was like, I just, man, why did I say that? You are um, so, we're so weird. A little loopy today. I know. I was thinking that too. I was like, man, it has been like a long. Uh, we're, we're both a sleep deprived because our fucking stupid dog. Oh my god, has been eating everything in the house. We, we have to like put everything in cupboards, and it just it just went to the vet because it was bleeding out of its butt. Gigi, because she ate two blocks of cheese, spent a day in the vet. This is true. And then we forgot we had like one extra thing of chocolate that had we, a lid on it. It wasn't and it even was, extra. And it was hidden. It's like we have this like sofa table. I think is what you call yep. it. It's like a table that mm -hmm. butts up to the back of your sofa, and there is one with mints, yeah. and there's another one with. Werther's Originals, my fave, yep. and then a chocolate one. Mm -hmm. And it has had chocolate in it before. I just filled it up with Halloween, Hershey so, Kisses. Yep. New phase that Gigi is going through. Oh, so we have to Lord. hide all the food now, but she ate a whole bunch of chocolate and the aluminum yeah, Hershey she, Kiss stuff around it the other yeah. day. So she's got sparkly poops now. Mm -hmm. So it's this morning she took a sparkly shit in our bedroom <laughs> that I stepped on when I got up. I had to wash shit off my foot at like four something in the morning, and then it was hard to go back to sleep <laughs> after that. Oh, Gigi's a silver mine. <laughs> Oh my god! So and yeah, it's just been so a long a weekend. Yeah, just, we had a lot going on. Okay, sorry about that long interruption. My bad. <laughs> Are you ready for one more? I am. I, am. I believe this on Alicia. She was very funny, and she got she us was, going. She got us. Yeah, she got us. Listen, energy if I, turned around. If I ever have to be out for an extended period of time, I feel like Alicia would be a good co-host. Okay, she'd have good reactions. Mm -hmm. She'd probably say much funnier, catchier phrases than I would. Have her send me some pics. Okay. Right now. Uh, I'm so sorry, you guys. Uh, All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. You got Layla? I do. Okay. 
Next up, uh, we have a haunted house. And I know that we talk about various haunted houses in, in, in a variety of ways. But to me, this was like in really, uh, what's the word? It was verified. Okay. Uh, because not only did the people who live there say like multiple people within this family figured out that this house was haunted. Like everyone's kind of experiencing some of the same stuff. Yeah. But also uh, it could be corroborated with previous tenants. So okay. it's actually kind of similar yeah, to, to Alicia. Yeah, to Alicia's yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of backup okay. in this story. Okay. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. My name is Dan. What? <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I work at a hospital in supply and transportation in Arizona. You guys oh. get me through the day in these crazy times. I Thank bet. you. I mm-hmm. bet. Listening to all of the my stories, I was surprised to hear a lot of similarities between my paranormal experiences and others. So I decided to take the time to tell you some of the strange things that happened to me as a kid. A little backstory, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, and moved to Tucson when I was very young with my mom, dad, and younger brother, Josh. My parents split up shortly after moving here. My dad was a commercial fisherman in Alaska for most of his life and only recently changed professions. As a commercial fisherman, he would be gone for months at a time and come back to Tucson for a few months. This is an important detail for later in the story. Now, time for the tale, as Dan would say. (laughs) I was in middle school, and my dad had just come back from a fishing trip and had signed a rental agreement on a new house. Now, this was a big deal for us because I was used to moving into a new apartment every few months when my dad would come back to town. Looking back years later, it was a very cheap price for the area, and that seems to always be a red flag for ghost stories. Uh The day of moving, we had our friend Nick come over and spend the night. We did what all kids would do in a huge new house. We played hide-and-go-seek. It was a two-story house, and all three bedrooms were on the second floor with the living room and kitchen downstairs. My brother Josh was it, so Nick and I hid together under the master bathroom sink. After a few minutes, we heard Josh yelling, Come out, you guys! This isn't funny! We both came out of hiding to find him in the hallway, visibly upset. He said he was walking down the hall when he heard the stairs creaking, as if someone was walking up them behind him. There was a window right in front of him as he walked up the stairs. He could see not only his face, but the face Uh, of someone else behind him reflected in the window. He whipped his head around quickly to see who was behind him, and he felt a whoosh of cold air followed by the door to his bedroom door closing very slowly. Oh my God, it's a nightmare. Nightmare. When he went to go check his room, no one was there. Nick and I just laughed at him. We told him where we were hiding the whole time and that he was clearly seeing and hearing things. Over the next few months, we started to realize something was not right about this house. We had a dog that normally stayed at our mom's, but we would bring him over to our dad's occasionally to stay with us. His name was Chubbs. He was a lab mix and was one of the sweetest dogs I've ever had. That dog refused to go upstairs. He would randomly get up and with the hairs on the back of his neck standing straight up, growl at the staircase leading to the bedroom upstairs. There was just a strange feeling upstairs. It felt heavy, like someone was always watching you. At night, I would always seem to wake up at or around 3 a.m. to the sounds of knocks and creaks coming from the stairs as if someone was walking up and down them repeatedly. One of those nights, waking up to the noises, I heard my dad call out from his bedroom, which one of you is up and walking around? Josh and I poked our heads out of our bedrooms to see what he was talking about. Neither of us had been out of our rooms walking around. 
All these strange things kept piling up, but we ignored them until one night. Josh experienced something I still tease him about when retelling this story. He was in the master bathroom, got undressed, and was getting ready to hop in the shower when he heard a little girl laughing. I was downstairs and my dad was doing dishes when we both heard him screaming and running and we ran upstairs. After he told us what he heard, my dad sat us down and told us something that still gives me the chills retelling this story today. That night, the night he called out to me and my brother at 3 a.m. to see which one of us was lying in bed. I'm sorry. That night, he called out to me and my brother at 3 a.m. to see which one of us was up while he was lying in bed. He was woken up to the feeling of someone crawling into bed with him, one hand indentation after another, slowly crawling up the bed, getting closer and closer to him. That night, we dragged Josh's bed and an air mattress into my room so that we could all sleep together in one room. And that was the only room where we experienced no paranormal activity. Wow. So here we are, all scared, sleeping in one room together, night after night after night. I have memories of waking up at 3 a.m. and calling out to see who is up. Josh and my dad would call back, yep, I'm awake. One night, we had our half-brother Quinlan stay the night, and he thought it was the coolest thing ever (laughs) that we were all having a sleepover in the same room. We did not tell him the real reasons or anything that was going on in the house. He went downstairs to grab a glass of water before bed, and when he returned to the room, he said, which one of you guys was messing with me? We asked him what he meant, and he said, I heard a little girl laughing at me in the kitchen. He then went on to describe the laugh, and it was just the same laugh that Josh had heard. The three of us just stared at each other and said it wasn't us. That night, I did not wake up at 3 a.m., but the rest of my family did. What happened next, I have no recollection of, and was told what happened the next morning. My dad had called out, is anyone awake? My two brothers replied with a yes, and I shout out of, shot out of bed, yelling and pointing at the wall. I just kept repeating over and over and over, it's not fair, it's not fair, it happened right there, it's not fair, it happened right there. Weird. I don't remember telling a lot of people about these stories at that time other than Nick, because he was there when it all started on that first night. One, one month... I'm sorry, one of the months my dad was away for work in Alaska, my brother and Nick and I hatched a plan to show Nick just how haunted our house was. Nick told his parents he was staying at our house, and we told my mom we were staying at Nick's house. We packed a couple of backpacks full of snacks, sodas, and flashlights. The three of us rode to my dad's house with the intention of staying up all night to see something. We didn't, want, or we didn't have to wait very long. I remember getting there and just settling into the living room with our sodas out when we heard heavy footsteps running upstairs, followed by a very loud bang as if someone had run into a wall. We grabbed our stuff immediately and ran out of the house and rode back to Nick's house. When my dad came back from work, he had several months worth of mail piling up. Among them were letters addressed to a woman with the name of a local business on them. Looking for some answers, my dad called the business and asked if the woman was there by name. She still worked there and was connected immediately to her. He apologized in advance for this strange phone call, but explained to her where he lived and he had received a bunch of her mail. He then asked her if she had experienced anything strange in the house that she couldn't explain while living there. There was a long pause and she asked if she could stop by later after her shift. That night, she came over to our house but refused to come inside. The four of us stood outside the house and listened to her tell us very similar stories to ours. She was part Native American and lived there with her mother, who was full-blooded Native American. Her mother claimed that there was one evil spirit that lived in the house, along with two nicer spirits. 
The mother refused to go upstairs and would sleep on the couch in the living room, claiming something awful happened upstairs. They too would wake up at 3 a.m. to the sounds of voices, footsteps, and sometimes the radio churning on all by itself. She called it the witching hour. This was the first time I had ever heard this phrase. She also said things would be thrown at her that from the master bedroom, from the master bathroom, like shampoo bottles and razor blades. Towards the end of our time talking, we heard a crashing noise come from the house. It was Chumps. He had broken through the screen window on the second floor and was on the roof growling and barking. The very last thing that happened to us that made my dad break the lease and move out of this house was we were making our nightly rounds as a group of three in the kitchen, getting something to drink and turning the lights off. My dad was in the bathroom that was attached to the kitchen while Josh and I waited in the kitchen. Both of us started to hear a tapping noise. Mm -hmm. Searching the room with our eyes, we tried to find the source of the noise. Josh pointed at the dining room set. One of the chairs was rocking back and forth from the front two legs to the back two legs, all on its own. So, uh... Both of us started yelling for our dad, telling him that the chair was moving on its own. He said, fuck this shit. We're getting out of here. He took us to our mom's house and explained what we had just seen. My mom agreed to let him stay over for just one night. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, yeah. For, I mean, that's crazy like, that it wasn't a rocking chair. It was no. a chair just going back and forth like that. So shadowy. I just got scared by myself. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about like our dining room tables or uh-huh. our dining room chairs. You know, it's just like rocking back and forth. Like, you know how like kids like will balance on mm-hmm. a chair? I think, I think it's so interesting. I mean, in so many, so many of these stories, this, you know, this kind of stuff has come up. But where um, activity is uh, isolated to not just a house, mm-hmm. but to a room in a house or to the stairway. I mean, like so strange. Well, this wasn't isolated. I mean, it was well. The, there were the, the, the most, kitchen, the right. girl laughing, the chair rocking. Yeah, but the but most of it is like that, that one kid's bedroom. I think about when they when he came up the stairs and saw the reflection behind him. Yeah, yeah, and then and went the, to his room. Uh huh. And that one, and then they all had to leave that room to like slumber party in the other room. But then in that room is where the kid woke up and said, "It's not fair. It's not fair. It happened right there." Oh, in the slumber party room. That's yeah. right. That's right. It so I guess like I guess it did kind slowly. of move around. Yeah, I feel oh, like yeah. it was like either multiple incidents because you know the the previous tenants. The mother, the the previous tenant's mother, yes, is full Native yes. American, yes. and she said that there were three spirits in the house: one evil and two good. Huh. So maybe it was like I don't know, some combination of like maybe something terrible did happen in that house, and maybe that spirit was still left yeah. behind, was angry and upset. But then maybe it had been a family, so then maybe there were two other spirits left behind that were good. Like I built up this whole scenario in my head that it was like a, a mother yeah. and a father and a child, and one of the parents either like committed suicide or like was like murder suicided by the other parent and then like the child was there and still happy and giggly like please i got a whole scene in my head i wonder i wonder if we'll ever know for sure why these things uh you know happen the way that they're witnessed you know like like a a science will ever explain it and and then part of me thinks like i don't know if i want it to that's what i was thinking yeah i don't know if i want to know i mean of course there's always the part of me that wants a justification Sure. Because I want to feel at peace with it and I want to understand and I want to know that if A happens, that's bad and you better like get out. Right. Or if this happens and then this is the end result, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can get that definitive with it. I, yeah, I think at least not now. I think that's what I kind of like about horror stories is like, I mean, so much of our world we figured out. Like I, like I think about like 200 years ago. Yeah. 300 years ago when sailors talked about all kinds of sea serpents and all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, you know, they just didn't know what 
what was going on in the world. They, they didn't did, know what a whale was. <laughs> right. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have answers to so many things. We've explored so many things. We've seen so many things. We have cameras everywhere. I like that there's at least a little bit still just like, oh, I don't know. It's a little mystery left. Mm-hmm. I get that. I, I like the mystery of the horror stuff. I do and I don't. I like it in the daytime hours. <laughs> yeah, but at night you want answers. Yeah. I mean, at night I want to know, like, why did I close my eyes and see nothing but horrific images in my mm-hmm. brain that I felt entirely like I could not control? Did you do it? I didn't. I have an answer, though. What? You're crazy. Oh. <laughs> that was rude. Ding, ding, ding. That was so rude. <laughs> Come on. That's kind of funny. You know that I've had a rough couple of days. You've had a rough couple of days. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you have those images. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, what a party pooper. (laughs) I'm sorry this episode might have felt a little all over the place in the second half. It was fun, though. Yeah, it was fun. I hope you Mm -hmm. guys can appreciate that. And do you know what time it is? It's birthday time. It's spooby shout-out time. Spooby shout-out. Spooby shout-out. Okay. Okay. I feel like I need some music right there. Oh, okay. Like a little, like, song or something. (laughs) (laughs) Do-do-do-do! Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Thank you, Joseph. (laughs) Uh, So we have this week, happy birthday to Ethan. Love your mom, Katrina. Happy birthday to Gwen from Don and Izzy. Happy birthday to Hank from Nicole. Happy birthday to Kylie from Sydney. Happy birthday to Sam from Kyle. Happy birthday to Victoria from Jeff. And a very special shout out and happy birthday to Jessica from Shauna. I just want to tell you that Shauna told me how tough things have been this year. And I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and sending you some big love. Definitely need it and deserve it. And a big happy anniversary to Michael Love Sydney. Oh, a lot of, lot of love. So much love. I love love. Lot of, lot of, you love love. I, I, love, do, love. I, I love to love people. Uh, th- th- <laughs> thank you, everyone, for the ratings and reviews. Uh, we love those. Speaking of love, creeps and peepers. Uh, they help us find... See, I, I tried to force that segue in there. Good job, sweetie. <laughs> they help us find new <laughs> listeners and are so appreciated. Uh, that's all the show for today. Please please keep sending in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, thanks to Logan and Kate Keith, the Keith, the Keith, on social media and badmagicmerch.com. Producer Sophie Evans for helping uh, story curation. Joe Paisley and Zach Flannery for producing, directing, custom sound bed creation. And uh, and also Zach Cohen for the uh, custom sound beds. And Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Uh, subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content at Scared to Death Podcast. And we have a private Facebook Facebook group, now with over 9,000 horror-loving members. So cool. Creeps and peepers, almost 10,000 getting there. Uh, Thank you to Liz Hernandez for moderating and helping grow that group. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. And maybe had a few laughs today. Maybe a few. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. 
You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 